This is Archive Atlanta, episode 201, LBGTQ Context Statement, part two. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week we are back with part two of my interview with New South historians Patrick Sullivan and Wes Nimmo talking about the LBGTQ context statement. Once this document is complete, it will identify, document, and ultimately lead to the preservation of neighborhoods, public spaces, and individual buildings associated with Atlanta's queer community. If you did not listen to part one, I highly recommend you do that. But in part two, we talked about RuPaul, the Atlanta Lesbian Feminist Alliance, the first Pride March and later parades, Cheshire Bridge Road, Wes and Patrick's favorite buildings, the oldest continually occupied LGBTQ space in the city, and places that existed for minority LBGTQ Atlantans. So without further ado, please enjoy. Now, we, of course, have our RuPaul connections, you know, which we, yes. I feel like it's the same way you pick that one person, like, in the Northeast, it's like, George Washington slept here, you know, and, like, with, with Atlanta, we're like, RuPaul lived here, RuPaul, yep. but, but you know, he did, and the apartment's there, mm-hmm. and the Eagle has the connections, yep. and the now explosion stuff. Is there any other kind of, quote, unquote, more famous person that other people would know that you found more famous person. I guess what I mean, someone maybe outside of the local scene. Because, you know, I know there's someone a lot of went. drag performers that are super famous or people that were on uh, People TV and, you know, that everybody I, kind of locally. I will say um, one, I mean, um, as far as far as like household names, not necessarily, but just the extent and the influence that they probably had would be, need to talk about Alpha, um, the Atlanta Lesbian yes. Feminist Alliance. And the number of um, women who came through Alpha, either whether they were founders of the organization or came through at a later date and then went on to other parts of the country, I think is You're pretty right, fascinating because, because and they were um, at, the, at the forefront of a lot of radical politics in the United States um, throughout the 1970s and into the 80s. And Alpha stands for Atlanta Lesbian Feminist, Feminist Alliance. Alliance. And it started in Atlanta, in obviously. Atlanta. Yeah, it, was a, it was basically a break off when the Georgia Gay Liberation Front was essentially imploding in 1972. Um, and Alpha formed and had their first meeting there, I believe, and then quickly moved over into um, into Candler Park, Little Five Points area. Yeah, that first that's the first house. Yeah. I've posted it before because I'm fascinated by the Alpha houses. And yes. then the second one... Is on McClendon. And yep, I, I, and the third one's that one in Kirkwood. Correct. Yeah. So there all are three. That, unfortunately, the second Alpha house, which um, is probably the most important Alpha house, only because of the length of time that... The group spent there uh, is also the one that's in worse shape. Oh, it's really I difficult. I tried to go and take a look. It's hard to take a picture yeah. of. That's why I never have because it's high up from the road yeah. and it's like covered in vegetation kind of. Yeah. And and the reason they moved into the third Alpha house is because the second Alpha oh. house was really falling into disrepair. So And it really hasn't been maintained yeah, since Yeah, I don't that. know if it's really been. So unfortunately, that's but that, that was a very important space. The other one I was thinking of just off the top of my head would be Steve Abbott, who um, was instrumental in forming the uh, Georgia Gay Liberation Front in 1971. Um, He and Beryl Boykin and a few others uh, formed that group in 71. The building is still there where they had their first meeting, which is... Where is it? It's in Emory Village. It's currently a vape shop. Oh, of (laughs) Uh, course it is. (laughs) Formerly, it used to be Saba, but that's the building, I'm pretty sure. They then later, they, they moved to Pine Street in uh, 128 Pine Street over near uh, the uh, Civic Center. Okay. Is where the where the, the, the headquarters were. 
Um, and so that's, and that's a very interesting thing because when we do our research and we look at the history of the pride parades or marches in Atlanta, originally marches, now we consider them parades, but it's interesting to, uh, this is probably a little bit of a side note, but I mean, we have, um, where the parade starts and where it ends historically in Atlanta. We've always had it go with marches down Peachtree Street and ends at Piedmont Park. That's always been the case. Um, but it's typically, and it with some variations, you've had the Anita Bryant protest, which was essentially the uh, the Gay Pride Parade that year in 1978. Some other variations where they've marched to the state capitol. But historically, it's been from about um, the southern bottom tier of Midtown up to Piedmont Park. Uh, right now, usually I think around Ralph McGill Boulevard. Ralph McGill. Mm-hmm. Oh. But for uh, the longest time, the organization space uh, start was at the Atlanta Civic Center uh, parking lot, which is right next to where the original Georgia Gay Liberation Front headquarters were. So that they had held the first few marches, would start at the Georgia Gay Liberation uh, headquarters, front headquarters, and then march down Pine Street to where the Pine Street uh, homeless shelter, that yeah, beautiful yeah. building that hopefully they restore. Um, and then up Peachtree Street. And then for the longest time, you've had uh, the start of the pride parades start in that general area and then march north along Peachtree Street. And it seems to be there's some kind of I, I, I like to as a historian, I, I like to say it seems to be some kind of cultural memory that maybe yes. has been lost over time. A hundred percent. Probably, you know. Needs I, to be discussed a little bit more. And even today, it's only it's a block insane. or so away. Yes. Like it's down route, down one block and over, it's still starting in a general. So if people area. are wondering why. Yeah. I say there. this. I have several friends. So um, one of my friends, Jessica, has a thesis she wrote about Midtown that I keep begging her to do an episode about. Um, and then my friend Ann always tells me about land never forgets, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like even if you go way, way back, right? That part of Midtown was way OTP. It's where mm-hmm. all the gypsies camped. It's where the fortune tellers right. were and the Irish travelers. And like it, I think it just always it has an aura, you know. And then <laughs> and then it's like here's where the hippies come, you know. We have the strip, and now like yeah. I don't know. To me, it's yeah. a similar thing where it's like there's just something there. But it's interesting to see. I, you know, that nothing's really haphazard, right? Like that parade started there mm-hmm. for that reason. Yeah. And now we've just shifted a little bit. So I love yeah. that story. Yeah, I got off my original point. but yeah. No, I <laughs> love I love this. Um, so I was I, just going to say Steve, I'll just get back to Steve. Yes. Because he was somebody who was an early founder of the gay liberation movement in, in Atlanta. And then later moved to San Francisco and became a, he was an artist. He, he did, he did the cartoon on the cover of the Great Speckled Bird advertising oh. the first uh, permitted March in Atlanta in 1971, um, 72, 72, 72. Yeah, 72, because yeah, they consider that the, yes. the first official parade, yes. but it, but I did read it was a march. Yes. It was a protest. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. a parade. Yes. And in fact, there's, it's interesting to track that language too. If you're looking in the, um, just looking in periodicals in the, in the literature we have where we have, it was historically, it was considered a protest march up through the 1970s. Um, you had, not always the best um, draw for folks. Um, I just don't think that people were as politically motivated in Atlanta. And, they, they, and that was one of the reasons why the Georgia Gay Liberation Front kind of floundered. There just wasn't the pull from the wider LGBT community to participate. Um, in 1978, you had the Anita Bryant protest, which we can talk about in a little bit, which did pull in people. It got really people really energized and was very much a protest march from um, Woodruff Park now all the way to where the Georgia Congress Center is. Um, 
and then it's interesting. I, and then the following year, there was a conscious effort by pride organizers to make it a parade and more celebratory with floats and not as much of a protest. And then there's always been that little bit of tension, I think, up to the, the current. So and that day. was the eighties where it switched. It- Change. That was in 79, but yeah, through the 80s. Um, it becomes more of like, yay, yeah, pride. Yeah, and so it, it kind of up and down, I think, maybe depending on who's who's organizing that year, the group in charge. So. You can even see in the photos, though, like in the 80s, even though it may have been a march, you can tell, and people are, they're marching for their rights. Like you can yeah. tell the signs, signs reflect. Yeah, yes, that. Ne- not, that never went away. But it's not like glitter the and The energy is still, it's still in some ways celebratory, celebrating yeah. who they are Correct. and the pride that they have about themselves. Yeah, it, it's... it's it's, That's so interesting. And now we still do it. And now it's like one of our biggest, of, I mean, yeah. biggest attractions for Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I do want to get back. You mentioned, yeah. so two things. Yeah. Um, one thing is you mentioned RuPaul and you mentioned the strip of buildings that was on the strip where I was talking about Club Centaur earlier. Yes. Um, one of those buildings is Illusions and that building is still there and it's a very important building. Ooh. Um, so it's connected, and we maybe can talk about Cheshire Bridge a little bit in yes, just a second. Yes, Cheshire Bridge. <laughs> um, <laughs> Illusions was the second show place of the South, but it was one of the best places to see drag shows in the South. Probably the best at the in time that it was operating. 80s? This was a bit early 80s. Okay. So about, I think, 80, 81, 82, maybe March of 82, I'm thinking, to about the mid-80s, like 85, 86. Um, but... That time overlaps perfectly when RuPaul was in Midtown. And according to some of the people that knew him um, at that time, including Larry T, uh, he lived or stayed with Lady Bunny, who's another famous drag artist RuPaul was friends with, who's moved to New York now and started Wigwood and or Wigstock and um, is up in New York doing great things. Uh, They were staying in an apartment where Henry's is today. It was an old apartment. Uh, at Juniper and 10th. Yes. And after a late night, they would walk around the corner and go to Illusions. And they'd see these people. Oh. Great Mickey Day, hot chocolate, um, just some really Charlie Brown, these big names and so Atlanta they were drag. Exactly. Yes. That's where they, I mean, this was exposed. Because a lot of RuPaul's earlier work was really punk. Like you were talking about new wave yeah, the now music performance. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. This is glamour drag. This is the stuff we see with RuPaul today. And so a lot of his first exposure to that stuff was here in Atlanta. And it definitely has had an impact. And that building is still there today. And so not only is it important because it's a great, awesome drag space for Atlanta, but the stuff that happened in that building has so reverberated wait, it's throughout. Drag, it's a drag place now. No. 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 Okay, but so it was a club space about two years ago, still, I think. wow. Yeah, I think it was a venue of some sort, but now it's it's closed. Um, I think I saw the lights on when I drove by last <laughs> night, <laughs> but uh, the, the windows are blackened, so I'm not uh, fully sure. Uh, but the building is still there, so it's an important it is. space. And that has something, there's something to say also with saying, right, like, Everybody's influenced from where they're living or mm-hmm. where they're born or whatever. Mm-hmm. I always say this with mm-hmm. Dr. King when I talk about Auburn. Like, RuPaul became who he became because of the things he saw and experienced in Atlanta. Exactly. These things that happened here are yeah. now things that, at least little pieces of them, RuPaul, a lot of the things he shows on his show have become a part of modern LGBTQ plus culture. Even if people don't watch the show, the things that come out of that show, because it's so popular... They're just a part of the fabric of yes. the culture in yeah. the 21st century. And a lot of the stuff is 
Is Atlanta is it, Its foundation yeah. is here. And so that's super awesome. And so places like that need to be yes. protected. And that's why we're doing this type Yay. of work is to identify this stuff. Because I lived here for a couple of years and drove past that building. And I was like, doesn't look like anything else in Midtown. <laughs> Until two weeks ago, I swear, I was like, oh, that building had stuff. And, you know, Charlie telling me some of this stuff from your study. And then me, I can't remember now, but again, the one hippie bar. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, it like you drive by it all the time. I used to run by it. And I'm like, this is just a little gray building. Just, you know, yeah. it's, it is kind of lost because it's across from the Fed. Mm-hmm. And it's surrounded by tall stuff and the trees cover it. So like... This work is so important. I'm so excited. Yeah. So I want to know, I kind of want to know, because I mean, the the chart I printed out is like 20 pages. So I, I, I we're not going to go through every building. I kind of want to know like your maybe top three will go. And maybe like, I'd love to know a place that really surprised you. Like, like it was anything shocking, you know? And then maybe like your favorite top place that you know you think needs to be preserved or or something i mean it doesn't have to be so strict yeah it doesn't be so strict i have one (laughs) (laughs) what i'm trying to say is like somewhere between top three and five places you know that you want to share for people to know it'd be awesome i think if they still existed Mm -hmm. i mean it doesn't have to be but i think it's i think it's so impactful for someone to go oh my gosh that i live next door i live Mm -hmm. across the street or even i work in this building or i live in this building that to me is like why i do what i do um but yeah if you want to do that we can we can do that Wes so I can ready. already jump off. I'm really excited. <laughs> He's ready so to go. I will say that I am a Atlanta transplant. Did not grow up here. I have only lived here for about three years. Moved here in 2019, just before the pandemic. But I moved to Cheshire Bridge Road. Oh, okay. um, And so I grew up, see, or I, I moved here, and that's kind of the first landscape I explored. Uh, as far as surprises, I knew that that road had history with the gay community, but I didn't know what it was. I think the biggest surprise would be the buildings that are still standing on that road and how connected they are to gay history. So across from the colonnade is the Onyx Strip Club today. That was uh, the Magic Garden numbers and Saint, which were all really big discos in the late 70s and um, early 80s. That place is still there. It, It was such an important, like famous Famous recording artists came and performed there, would dance there, and it's just kind of set off the road today, painted black. Um, and, and so it's one of those things. Another good example on Cheshire Bridge Road would be the locker room, which was a bathhouse, disco, and show bar. Um, what? When there's so many things in <laughs> one. one shopping. It is. And they call them bar complexes. That was where the Publix is at Cheshire Square today, um, up on La Vista. And Cheshire. Yeah. That right beside, it wasn't inside the Publix, but beside it, there's like a dance studio and a restaurant. That little strip there, that's where that was. And there was a pool in there, a sauna. What? Um, and it was, like, it was, that was gay. It was gay. Okay. Full, yes. It was a disco and then it eventually became just a show bar. It became Levitas and Lipsticks later in the 80s and 90s. But I, I had shopped at that Publix when I, that was my yes! first grocery store. That- and so... Going back, I, I went back recently and I was like, there was a pool in this building. That's so cool. Um, as far as places that need to be preserved, I will limit it to two. Um, that And these are my, my personal wants. Of course, wants. your personal preferences. This yes. is not me putting it this into the context. This is not professional opinion. No, this is just seeing these places and how I think they're they're just so important. One of them would be the Sweet Gum Head, which is also on Cheshire Bridge Road. There's a book about that, isn't there? There is. Okay. Martin Padgett. Yep. Yeah, Martin he, okay. Padgett, um, A Night at the Sweet Gum Head. It's an amazing book. It's okay. so easy to read. 
and it it, it, it so really it still stands. It's a it still stands. It still stands today, and it's still a um a club. It's a strip club, and so it's still oh. a a adult space. Yes. And I think that's really important. It has held this because at the time. We would not think today as a show bar or a place that you go to see, like, a drag show that's not technically a club. Or you wouldn't really be like, oh, that has to be an adult. And that kind of is a conversation we're having right now where a lot of people think that. And that's not really the case. Oh. But at the time, that would have been the case. Um, they People definitely would have labeled it as that. And the fact that it's still operating in that type of way, I think, is really important. I agree, especially nowadays. They try to move all of that stuff to the outskirts. Like they're it's, not, they're not going to permit a sex shop. Or and the a, way it's, I think, it survived is not only being on Cheshire Bridge Road, but also because it's behind a tire shop. I oh. didn't know that building was there. I, I had to go hunting for it. Um, but it's a really important space. That was the original showplace of the South. That drag may have come out. At the Joy Lounge and Club Centaur, but that's where it was perfected. The people who performed there, these were high-quality acts. Wow. These were full productions of musicals and plays. It was, you went to see a show. It oh, was wow. good. Um, and then it after it closed, the people um, who loved this, loved it, uh, actually two business owners that ran um, a neighborhood pub called Crazy Rays, which was also a gay bar. Uh, started illusions because the they just loved the cast so much and they saw them hurting from being losing their jobs. Wow. They opened illusions, so that's why that name is kind of connected the show place of the South. Uh, but that's an important space. It's mm. if anything illusions I was talking about earlier, going to the full the national stage with yes. RuPaul's influence. Yeah. it goes right back to the Sweet Gum oh, Head with wow. the stuff that was being perfected on that stage. Um, so that's a very important place. And it's still there. And you should go check it out. Go to the parking lot. It's really cool. Um, <laughs> Maybe all of us will be dressed. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I went in the morning. Um, what is it called now? I, I don't know. A couple of years ago, but like early 2010s, it was called Bliss. And it okay. was like a but male strip, strip club. club but today it's tire shop on Cheshire Bridge. At Cheshire Bridge and La Vista. Got you'll see it. the BP station. You'll see a tire shop. Okay. And then you'll see a Waffle House. Turn to the Waffle House and you're in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm going to do that this week and like see some other person in the car. Be like, yeah. If you're brave enough, let's go in because I've been dying to. Yes, I want to see this space. It's still there. I will 100% do that with Let's you. go. I will do it. Let's okay. go. The what? other one would be baths. Yes, the bath. So tell me because, again, Charlie's telling me about this. Is this the longest standing bathhouse or what's the title it is the oldest continually continuously occupied lgbtq plus space in the city and in that the city is of atlanta in the city of atlanta wow it is important and it when did was, it open um i think 1969 so late late okay. 60s in the, in the same location in, in the same location wow. and it has always operated as a bathhouse um wow and it is a important space to the lgbtq plus community because at that time, going to find someone and knowing them, knowing that you could not go to work or to your church. And I'm, I'm kind of quoting Bill Smith a little bit here because he said this in the newspaper, but it's true. At that time, you could not just go out in your regular workplace or church or community and find someone to yeah. date yeah. or the way we do today. You could not just walk into a regular bar. You had to go to a place that was specifically you knew for sure the people there were like you. And that provided that service to these people. Wow. And that was so important. And it still does that today. That's a safe space. For the last 50, like that's wild that that's still operating. Yes. 
I guess um, a couple that I'll just add were um, we mentioned the Alpha Houses. Um, yes, and I love the Alpha one Houses. One of them already is protected. It's in Inman Park, or no, I'm sorry, it's Candler. not. Yeah, Candler. No, so they're listed, but they're. Um, I think all three would be within the National Register districts, but they would not be um, protected, you know, from demolition or so forth. But uh, we have uh, Karis Bookstore would be another one. Yes, which is uh, fortunately that building has a uh, preservation easement. The the or original easement. one or the one they just moved to? Uh, the original one, which was on Moreland Avenue. Yes, yes. And then there was another one in a bungalow that was a bit later, oh. right across the street. There. It's also both both are well. I know the, the one, one is- the one in the in the in the commercial building along Moreland. Uh, it falls under that um, that easement. Okay. So that is, I guess you could say as protected as it's going to be as far as the building, but they, they were in that space and they moved into the bungalow right across from Euclid, I believe. And then, um, later moved out to where they are now in Agnes Scott. Yeah. Um, but that was a space that, you know, it was not just a bookstore, but it was, uh, in, in numerous interviews and in uh, literature where it comes across as just a very important meeting space for, for women's groups and lesbian groups. Um, Marianne Adams, who we interviewed with Zami Nobla, she she pointed to that. I mean, that's a space that that was used for for black lesbian groups that were you know didn't have their own brick and mortar spaces. And we find that, and I'll just kind of go off on a tangent, but that's true for a lot of organizations in and around Atlanta. LGBTQ, oh, not having spaces, having to the make. yeah, which oh. has been a challenge for this project because we're trying to identify organizations that are important and they are important, whether it's politically or socially or. Uh, religious, but religiously, but they weren't necessarily tied to a specific place. Mm. Um, political organizations or social organizations were sometimes just a mailing list or run out of somebody's PO box. And so we have the history, and, and it it was something that was significant. The history is, but it's just not something that we can really pinpoint to a specific building. But sometimes, talking about Karis, this reminded me. Yeah. These places weren't just a bookstore. No, they oh, weren't just saying, a right. bar. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Atlanta Gay Center would be the... So a lot of these organizations were meeting in these places. Yes. So yes. This, they, it's hard because you look at it and you're like, oh, it's just a gay bar. Yeah. No, it was a, a gay yeah. bar, but it was also a meeting space. Exactly. for One thing I'm, think, a thing I'm thinking of is um, Gamma, the uh, yes. Georgia or uh, the gay... Gay Atlanta, Atlanta Minority, Minority Association. Association. Yep, they met at the Festival Lounge and other yes. bars throughout the city, and they didn't really have their own space. But this was Black Atlantans standing up because mm-hmm. they were kind of being excluded from a yes. lot of yes. the bars and other places in the city by other gay people. Yes, yes. Um, they were meeting at gay bars, so that's it. Or bookstores. Yeah. Uh, they met at the Atlanta Gay Center on Ponce. Uh, so a lot of these places operated as. They have multi-functions. They yes. were not just... I see what you're saying. And I mean, it, and that's... that's an important thing to, I think, you know, because, I mean, these were very much community organizations and, and they served a community purpose, whether it was political forums that say First Tuesday, which was one of the first um, local uh, advocacy, political advocacy organizations, and um, they lobbied the Democratic Party of Fulton County and then the city, they would hold their forums and bars and restaurants because they were oh. kind of, you know, it's taking where people are too, you know, and getting people politically engaged in these spaces. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the first places they met is still a gay bar. It's the longest opera, um, continually operated uh, space as a gay bar, not necessarily the same bar, but it is the longest space that has been a gay bar. It's opened in 1971 in the back of Ansley Mall as the yes! El Matador yeah. became the new order. Um, it added a, a bar in the back called Horse Feathers in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, but today it's known as the Hideaway. Yeah. that and, Okay. So that has been a gay bar since 71. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's first. 
And oh, we yeah. give a shout out to Bulldogs. We sure do. That was one I should have included that was, in my and list. Bulldogs of... was a black gay bar. So no. originally, this is wild. So originally, it was a trucker themed bar. Uh, Bulldog is the the bulldog, but straight on the... like straight. No, no, no. Truck. this oh, was oh, gay oh, okay. trucker. So <laughs> you had no, no. It's totally in the late seventies. <laughs> you had a trend where. A lot a of gay men, yeah, thing. you had this yeah. hyper-masculine, so you have this leather culture, you have this, what's called Levi, but it's really just jeans, like, um, so that was that type of bar. They themed it after truckers and, like, road <laughs> things, and so the outside of the bar had a Mack truck on the on it, like, a real truck front was attached to the exterior of the bar, but it was the back side. Um, so originally that was, and it was a bulldog, because on the front of the Mack truck you have... A bulldog. And they also had a mascot that was a live little bulldog. Um, But in the mid-90s, it switched. I mean, I think Black Gay Atlantans had been going to bulldogs um, since the 80s. And maybe earlier, but uh, there's photographs of Black Atlantans being in that space, at least since the 80s. Uh, but in the mid '90s, it did transition Become more into a as, black. Yeah, yeah, because that's and how today, I knew it. Not that I mm-hmm. was going to it; I just knew it as. And that. It's, it was listed that way by the end of the '90s in black gay publications. It was a safe space for black gay Atlantans. It was not a. A lot of them would, and this is kind of getting into what we talked about earlier about like minorities and finding minorities within minorities. Yeah. Like, how do you identify yeah. a black mm-hmm. gay? Yes. Um, publications started in the late 80s early 90s to, to identify these spaces but a lot of times they'd be like it's black on wednesdays or they have a, a oh, themed yes. night on so- oh. yeah and so you still didn't have there were certain spaces by the midnight mid 80 mid 80s i'm thinking of that started to open to be specifically black gay spaces but a lot of spaces were just inviting on certain nights now what about black women Black women, there's only been one space we've identified that has was specifically mm-hmm. the way that we think of a lesbian bar yes. today. Yes. Um, it was called Club Sheba. It only operated for a couple of months and it operated in the Tower Lounge. So we talked about it earlier where Bantam mm-hmm. is. Oh, um, okay. 79, it was open. Wow. Uh, but by the end of, like, by 80, it had become the tower. But I think that that space was welcoming um, okay. to to black Atlanta. So there was black lesbians hanging out in that space. Oh, yeah, because it was a lesbian time. bar. Okay, It was had yeah. already been okay. a lesbian so, yes, bar. Yes. Wow. Um, but I think black women were hanging out at places like the Pear Garden, uh, which is downtown, yep. uh, places like that as well. Uh, but uncovering and, and uncovering them is so hard. Oh, like I finding where it, it it's very difficult. Yeah, and that's been and just kind of going back to again the purpose of a context and and why you know we're working within the confines of what the National Register has established for us to nominate these properties. And typically for the National Register, a building um, or a property has to be 50 years of age or older. Oh, you're right. And we are dealing with very recent history for, um, you're for right. a large part. So we've taken the context up to the year 2000 to try to capture a lot of that important history. Because um, as, as Wes mentioned, you know, in, in, in interviews and just in the literature, um, for a lot of Black Atlantans, we're not out until the 90s yeah. I mean, in, in large, large parts. So... Um, you had the Marquette, which is an important um, place, which is started off as not a gay uh, nightclub or bar, but later transitioned and became one um, in the 60s. 60s. Yeah. Man. Um, and so that was one. But I mean, I, it just was and we had the Yemen yeah Wine House, but mm-hmm. there were very few. And so 
we've been trying to, to capture that by taking the period of significance of, of our context up to 2000 to capture a lot of that, as well as the, the, the HIV AIDS epidemic too, which is another uh, yes. important and part that we haven't really addressed. I know. Yeah. It's, I was gonna... There's so many layers to this history. Like I said, it's, it's and you guys such... are only 50% done, at least with <laughs> yeah. the study. So I, I have to come back for like, you know, part three or something of, yeah. of the of the 100% done. And yeah. there it is, I think it's worth mentioning, like you said, you guys aren't doing a research project, you are doing a very specific mm-hmm. goal in the confines of the National Register. So this is all the stuff you found is just in that criteria. And yeah. think about that, and right? In the you're, city of Atlanta, it, we're not even yeah. dealing with Decatur. So you're 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 putting aside Fulton and yeah. yeah, and that's wild to me that there's so much because I mean, what is there like a hundred something pages in this document that's not even done? Right by now, the way, yeah, yeah, it's a halfway done document, <laughs> and the criteria is pretty narrow. You know, it's yeah. like fifty years, you know, criterion ABC or whatever you said. You yeah, know, and there, then yeah, and there are you know they they do make exceptions for for resources that are of exceptional importance which lgbtq history is of exceptional mm-hmm. importance the age HIV aids excuse me hiv aids epidemic in this country and in atlanta are of exceptional importance so those would all qualify and you could uh if you have the property or you have the the site the building the place um uh if it's intact, then you, you you would be able to list that, I would imagine. But um, but yeah, it's 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 a challenge. I mean, it's yeah. it's a very we keep saying it's a very difficult subject to and topic to to wrap our arms around. The way I've described it is, it would be as if we were writing the history of Black Atlanta. Like you can't that oh, it's a or huge white yeah, or, or White Atlanta or any huge group so that's expensive. inside the. It's yeah, yeah. I it, I think a lot of times we think of the LGBTQ plus population as being kind of small, and in some places they may be, especially rural places. But a place like Atlanta, no. it's and the fabric so many, of the city. Yes, is, and there's different avenues. You, first, you're going gender differences, mm-hmm. racial differences, but then like the, this subculture and that subculture and this sub like there's 50 different subcultures you could pick to yes, probably yes. go down, and I'm sure they all existed in Atlanta because mm-hmm. this was the hub. Like you said, it wasn't a small town in South Georgia. Yeah. You know, like, history, yep, yeah. Wow. Like trans spaces and talking about limiting it to the city has been a little difficult because when we get to the nineties, we do start to see things like trans spaces show up. A lot of them are not inside the city. Really? Where are so, they? LGBTQ um, history, just like the rest of Atlanta, is started sprawling. to expand at that time. Oh. But this is also the time where suddenly you have people being more out about these like <clears throat> Whether it be black gay Atlantans being out for the first time or uh, Latino gay Atlantans being out or trans Atlantans, um, they're out in Decatur. They're they're oh. further away. Um, and so it gets kind of close sometimes, but most of the places that they were meeting, mm-hmm. um, sometimes they're residences, uh, but they're they're still not inside the city. We're, yeah, we're finding that that and it's it is more even more recent. We're looking at the 90s mm-hmm. to 2000s. And it's history that you know these the, these events have occurred outside the city limits, which we can't address. But we'll you know there's future put recommendations. It, I was like, yeah. put it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. put it so, down somewhere. Right. And part of it has been a map, and we're making a map. I um, heard about the map. The map. <laughs> As a person who, you know, doesn't know where I am half the time, I, that is just really amazing, though, to have that. So I'm super excited about the map. It's so much fun. And, and it's and it's great. It's a great resource because I think you learn a little bit more about the yeah. city when you look at it. The way things are clustered together, you start to see places pop out that maybe weren't so obvious before. Yeah. Um, I think of Peachtree Street along the, where those buildings across from the Federal Reserve. Like, yeah. It starts that, to give you patterns. It You're lights like, up yes. like a Christmas tree <laughs> with all the places that were there. It's And it, it shines. It's... 
Part of it will be for the city and for them to use within the city boundary. But we're including places farther out oh, yes. as a way to include these places yes. for future research because all of this stuff will go into an archive after this is over. That's available um, publicly? Yes, it'll Yay. be. A, yeah, 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 absolutely. I hope so. We're handing it over to the History Center. So. No, yes. that's good. It's, I, I know someone who's working on a big paper that um, once they publish it, this arc, you know, their work will essentially become public and it's it will blow your mind. It's going to be so awesome. And I'm like, is it published yet? Is it published yet? Because it's a public service. You know, yeah. you're doing a public service because you're doing, I mean, it's overwhelming work, but mm-hmm. all of that will help someone further down the line yeah. when they're trying to nominate something. Just like, yeah. just like what we're doing. There were people who have done this work, you know, or started this work, uh, Atlanta Gay AF, uh, the Bar Archives. There's mm-hmm. been numerous um, historians that have started this work and we've tried to build upon. Yeah. Um, so they've been very you know, instrumental in, in a lot of what we're doing. One of the, the interesting things about getting into this recent history, you have the, the stuff where it's like, oh, well, it's not 50 years of age. But also a lot of the people who experience this are still alive. Yes. A lot of people have yes. been lost. Yes. Um, but a lot of people are still here. And social media is an amazing tool. It's a great resource because in the past 10 years, people have started to form groups on social media where they share their memories. And this isn't just LGBTQ plus history. This is any topic. Yeah. Um, a lot of places will do like memories in this county. Those groups. Oh, I've seen those groups. <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> well, they are I, such a resource. Yes. And for something like LGBT history where it's really hidden and it can be yeah. kind of hard to get into, it can be the only place that you know, like there's, I can think of one right now. Charlie's was a coffee shop um, that young gay men would go to because they couldn't get into the bars in the oh, 60s. like they were underage? Underage, oh. but it was open late, like a bar. And so these younger gay men could congregate in a, a social space late night. That place, I can't find it anywhere. <gasps> but people talked about driving. Someone mentioned it on Facebook and then people were like, yeah, we used to drive like way far away into the city of Atlanta so we could come on weekends but to nobody, go to this but place. But you don't know where it is. Or but nobody no, they, told, they said oh. it was um, at the corner of, I believe it's either Spring Street and West Peachtree and 10th Street. You know where the green frog is on? Yes. <laughs> yeah, the yes, little frog. Yes. Yeah. It's across the street from that where the condos okay. are. That's where it used to sit. It was like a building in the middle of a parking lot. Wow. Um, so places That's like so that. interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm so I, I can't. I'm so excited about this. Obviously, if yeah. you not tell. I'm very excited. Um, and I am excited to come back. So when you guys are done, <laughs> yeah. we'll talk about. I, I will go through this chart. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up today, yes. and so I can do it in two parts. And I'm excited because it'll be the first episode of the next year. Well, maybe by that point we'll have. That's some what I'm comments. saying. Maybe we'll have some more stuff. Yeah, so we'll have people weighing in on what we've done. Yes. Yeah. Your name. Well, and yeah. because there is, and and actually, it'd be great to um put this out later because you know the city is doing a lot of public engagement yes. with mm-hmm. this and presenting it, and yeah. so that is all open to the public kind of stuff. And I know there's, I think there is a place for people to submit stuff maybe information yes they there's have. a website yeah so i'll put that in the show notes so that mm-hmm. um if you have a story you know you know something about charlie's or or something we don't we didn't talk about yes. you can edit yes. please Very all right yes. well wes and patrick thank you so much i i am so honored to be here in your office and that you stayed after work you know <laughs> to to fend rush hour to uh to record with me so i really appreciate it oh, thank, thank you, you. Yeah. yeah we're big fans of yes i couldn't believe it i was like archive atlanta <laughs> 
So there you have it, a small part of Atlanta's LBGTQ history. As you can imagine, there is so much more to talk about. We were not even able to get into the AIDS epidemic or three quarters of the buildings on this statement. I cannot wait for it to be finished and made publicly available. Um, In the interim, please visit the project website, which I've linked in the show notes so you can learn more about the project. You can put your input in there. Um, They're going to do kind of future public engagement events and activities, and you can attend all of those. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, um, share it with someone. You can leave a rating and or a review. There's also a Patreon link in the show notes if you'd like to support my work. I hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll see you next week.